Alright, good morning Grace Church. <clears throat> it's great to have you here with us this morning. I don't know about you, but old man winter is kind of getting to me. Uh, yesterday was so beautiful. I was able to go for a walk with my wife. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And today, we're all bundled up again. You know, it's crazy. So uh, thanks for braving the storm. Thanks for being here. And we have been praying and trusting that God is going to speak to you this morning. And wow, hasn't He already through song. What a great time of worship through song. And, and now we're going to worship by getting into His Word and, and uh, really doing our best to hear from Him this morning. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And if it's your first time here, we welcome you. It's such an honor to have you here as our guests. And I want to ask if you could grab one of these Grace information cards. It's located in the, in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you could just fill that out and take it to the offering box in the back. And really what we want to do is really care for people really well. That's our goal. In, in filling this out, we'll help you. We'll send you an email and let you know some next steps that you can take um, at, in your journey of faith um, as you uh, seek the Lord in your life. So fill that out. We would love to get acquainted with you this morning. We are continuing our series called Love Does. And this morning, the title of the sermon is Love Cares. And we're going to start by reading Psalm 103 in verse 13. So we're going to read Psalm 103 in verse 13. And it says this, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Let me read it one more time. Psalm 103 verse 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Hopefully when you walked in today, you grabbed a bulletin, and on the back of that bulletin is some notes for the sermon. I encourage you to, to take some notes, write some things down. Hopefully you're learning something. Hopefully you can jot something down that you can use tomorrow in, in your life. But uh, here's the big idea that I want us to walk away with today. I hope that you grasp this today. The big idea is God cares. He cares. God is a caring, loving, compassionate Father. He loves you more than you will ever understand. We will never fully comprehend or understand what it took for God to hang on a cross to pay for our brokenness. He loves you more than you'll ever understand. He loves you more then you will ever comprehend. God is love and He is tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. He is loving towards you in everything He does and He is concerned for you. He cares about you. He, he's concerned about your well-being. He's concerned about the way you feel. He's concerned about your fears and your struggles. God is a caring Father. But once again, we've talked about this often throughout this series, is that many people walk into church, they walk through those doors, and they don't believe that. They don't believe that God cares. In the scripture, most of the disciples were professional fishermen. And one day when they were out fishing on a boat, and Jesus was with them on the boat, Jesus got tired and he curled up on one end of the boat and, and he took a nap. And uh, when uh, he was sleeping, a storm came. And 
you know, the disciples have been on the water often, and it shouldn't have bothered the disciples much. But this storm must have been a big one, because the disciples were very scared. They were very afraid. And the ship was rocking and rolling, and the waves were crashing over the, over the boat. And they actually went to Jesus, because they were frantic, they were afraid. And in Mark 4.38, they woke Jesus out of his sleep, and they asked Jesus, one of the most important questions in life. They asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that the storms are overtaking us? Don't you care that the waves are coming over the boat? Don't you care that our lives are in jeopardy? Lord, don't you care? We find another example in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of Martha and Mary. You remember Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was frantically uh, hustling and bustling in the kitchen and working hard. And Martha came out of the kitchen and remember she saw her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus, just calmly visiting with Jesus while, Mary, while Martha was, was busy working. And in my brain I imagine Martha holding a big wooden spoon when she asked the same question to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about what's happening in my life right now? Don't you care that I'm working so hard in the kitchen while my sister is out here just sitting with you, visiting? Lord, don't you care? You know, you and I ask this question of God all the time, and we can ask it in a thousand different ways. God, didn't you see the doctor's report? That I just got? God, don't you care? God, don't you see the mess that my marriage is in? God, don't you care? God, do you see how little money we have and how many bills we have? God, don't you care? Do you see how my kids are struggling in school? God, don't you care? You know this fear that grips my mind and I can't seem to get rid of it. God, don't you care? Church, I, I need you to understand something today. I need you to walk away with this today, understanding this and knowing this. And I hope and pray that it moves from here to here. The answer is yes. God cares. In fact, he cares more than you care. He wants to help you more than you want help. He knows what will help you more than you know what will help you. And He is a, He's aware. He, he, he understands. He's walked in our shoes. He's aware of your situation. He cares. 1 Peter 5.7 says this. It says, Give all of your worries and all of your cares to God. Give them all to God. For He cares about you. The God of the universe cares about you. If you knew and if you felt how much your Heavenly Father constantly and compassionately cares, you couldn't help but love Him in return. We know that God cares. Man, we've read it. Maybe we understand it mentally. Some of us maybe don't believe it yet, but we, we know it mentally. We know that God cares. 
He's given us life. He's given us the very breath that we breathe. He gave His own life. He proved His love through sacrifice. We know that God cares about how we feel, about who we are, and especially about who we're going to become. God cares. But let me ask, what about you? What about us? Do you care? I mean, do you really care about your marriage? Do you care about that coworker that works right next to you every day and you know is struggling? Do you care about that coworker? Do you care? On your notes, I want us to take just a real simple test this morning, okay? And this is not pass or fail. You don't have to write your name on it. You don't have to hand it in, okay? This is not pass or fail, so no pressure. But this is just for you to kind of gauge where you're at. And I just ask the simple question in your notes, do you care? Like in this moment right now, be as honest as you can be. And I just want you to circle yes or no. Do you care? And be honest, do you care about the people around you? Do you care enough to take action, to do something? Just circle yes or no. While I was putting this sermon together, I was struggling with this tension. I was struggling because in my experience, a lot of people prove that they don't care through their actions. They can say they care, but their actions speak a whole different other story. And my question that I was struggling with is, why? Why why is it that people can see heartache, they can see extreme poverty, they can see such awful things happening all around them and they don't take action to do something about it. Why is that? Why is it that so many people turned a blind eye to the struggles, to the problems that exist all around them? Why is it that a lot of people don't seem to care? They may say they care, but their actions prove otherwise. And as I was thinking about this, my thoughts traveled two different paths. In answering this question. So if your answer was no. Let me first of all. If you circled no. Let me say first of all. Thank you for being honest. Okay. But if your answer was no. I came up with four possibilities. These are just four ideas that I have. As to why that might be. As to why you circled no. Four possibilities. Four thoughts about why we don't care. I believe most people. They want to make a difference with their life. They they. They really do want to help people. But what is it that keeps them on the sidelines? What is it that keeps them from actually taking action? And the first reason why I believe a lot of people are reluctant to get involved or reluctant to to make a difference. On your notes, you can see this. Number one, it's because it seems like the problems are too big. It seems like the problems are just so overwhelming. I mean, how... Can we possibly stop thousands of people being killed? I mean, there's genocide happening in countries as we speak. I mean, how can we make a difference in that? What can we do about that? How can we possibly stop 27 million people from being illegally trafficked across this world? I mean, what can we do about that? How can we help? How can we stop poverty in the world Half of the world's population lives on less than $2.50 a day. That's 3 billion people. I mean, how can we possibly affect 
3 billion people in a positive way. I mean, the problems are just too big. They're easy to ignore. I mean, we feel compassion. We feel our hearts cry out for the downtrodden. You know, we, we care about the forsaken. We care about the persecuted and the lost. We feel horrible about different parts of the world where we see devastation, where we see real human beings whose lives are just as valuable as mine suffering and going through such horrible things. I mean, we would love to make a difference. But where do we start? Where do we begin? The problems are just too big. The second reason why many of us don't care enough to do something is, I believe it's, it's just not personal. I mean, we're not in Syria, where families are being threatened every day. We're not in East Africa, where families are starving to death. My family's not starving to death. I, I don't fear that this afternoon my family's going to be split apart. It's just not personal. It just doesn't affect me because it's not affecting me. Even though we believe it's horrible and that some people are suffering, when something doesn't directly affect us, we can become numb to the idea of taking action. I mean, we've got our own problems, right? I, I got my own problems at work and at home. I got my own problems at church. I have some scheduling conflicts this week. I mean, I don't have time to care enough about what's going on with other people. I believe we also don't take action because, number three, it's just too comfortable on the sidelines. I mean, when I'm sitting on the bench, you know, and uh, someone's bringing me a Gatorade, I mean, that's comfortable. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in that place because if I go out on the field, man, I could get hurt, you know? It's dangerous out there on the field. I could get hurt. It's just so comfortable on the sidelines. Church, one of the greatest sins in our culture is the sin of comfort. We have got it so good. We have it so good. And we don't want anyone or anything to disrupt our comfort. Remember God. God cared enough that He left the comforts of heaven. Heaven. I can't think of a better place than heaven. And he left that place to come to a war zone so that he could redeem us, so that he could rescue us from our brokenness. And remember, he says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. If we want to be like Christ, we can't, we have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We can't be entrapped by comfort. Church, to put it another way, we need to put down the hot dog and the popcorn and we need to get out of the stands and we need to get onto the playing field even if you don't know what to do. Just get out there. You might take a couple shots. Get back up and keep playing. you got to be on the field. That's where the action is. That's where you get to see God do amazing things. Lastly, I believe a lot of people don't care because of what I'm going to call Compassion fatigue. A friend of mine who worked for 10 years as a therapist, she worked with at-risk adolescent girls. I mean, she saw some 
horrible things. She was dealing with girls who had experienced and gone through horrible things in their lives. And this was in an all-girls school. And For 10 years, she worked as a therapist trying to minister to these girls. And she told this about her experience. She said, I remember the first time I realized that I had compassion fatigue. Daily, I encountered girls who had been traumatized by physical and sexual abuse. After years of hearing their stories, I became cynical. I became burdened. And I actually began to hate my job. Because of the population of kids that I work with, I rarely experienced favorable outcomes. I began to forget that there were healthy, loving families with well-adjusted teenagers. And then what she said next is extremely important. She went on to say this, As a Christ follower, I began to forget the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You know, some people that are in the trenches for so long, and they just see the carnage all around them, they have to be reminded that God is good. And that God is faithful. And church, I have to remind you, it's not God that's causing those such horrible things. It's our sin. It's, it's because the earth has fallen. It's because of people that are causing those things. And God has called you, He has called us to redeem, to be reconcilers, to go in and to bring the lost back to faith. And we have to be reminded of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. Because church, I I honestly believe that most of us care. Most of us want to live our lives to the fullest. I've never met somebody that said, nope, not me. I mean, if I could just be half full for my life, that'd be cool. I don't want to live to the fullest, man. I don't want that. I've never heard that from anybody. We, We want to make a difference. We want our lives to matter. We want to meet people's needs. So what do we do? What do we do? How can we make a difference? How can we help? Let me just say this. If if you circled yes or no on that little test, hopefully these suggestions will help you. I'm going to give us four thoughts that will help you to care, and it will actually help you to put that caring into action. Okay, four thoughts for you on your notes. Number one is this. Use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand. This was the same response that God gave to Moses after choosing him to lead the people of Israel out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. You may recall, remember when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and he told Moses that he was going to be the one to go into Egypt and to negotiate and secure a peaceful release of the Hebrew uh, captives. And Moses responded the way many of us respond. He responded in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He said, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, God, I I have a bunch of sheep out in the wilderness. I have nothing. Who am I? What are you talking about? What am I going to do? Who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember, God told Moses to explain to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians that Moses serves as God's spokesman. Moses was empowered as a divine ambassador for Jesus Christ to secure his people's freedom. But Moses wasn't buying it. 
And he keeps thinking ahead and he he was full of excuses. And he says in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? I mean, what if I speak up and they just say, yeah, right, you know, I don't believe you. What if they don't believe me or they listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to me to you. You're crazy, Moses. Like a burning bush. Come on. He never appeared to you. And that's when God gets very direct. And he answers Moses in the form of a question. And he says in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, Then the Lord asked him, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses replied, a shepherd's staff. A shepherd's staff. Church, I have to ask you, what's in your hand? What has God placed in your hand? And I want to encourage you to use what you have. What's in your hand? God used what was in Moses' hand in great and mighty ways. God turned the shepherd's staff into a serpent. To get Pharaoh's attention. God used this shepherd's staff to turn water into blood. God used this shepherd's staff to part the Red Sea. A stinking piece of wood. God used it in great and mighty ways. Let me tell you this. If you have nothing and you think you have nothing, and you're like, man, I don't have anything in my hand. I I got nothing. Go out into the woods this afternoon, brave the snow, cut you a piece of wood, and say, God, now I got something. And just see what he does with it. Okay? Because he used a piece of wood in Moses' hand in great and mighty ways. We often respond to God's calling in our lives just like Moses. We make excuses and we say very sincerely, God, I I just don't have what it's going to take to do the job. And we function out of fear. We say, God, I just don't have what it takes. God, I don't, I don't have the resources. Church, I, I, I have my share of excuses too. I've said this to God. Like, why me, God? Come on, there's more capable people. Do, do you know what you're doing, God? Why, why me? I don't have the resources. I don't have the degree. I don't have the property. I don't have the capital. I don't have the supporters. God, I don't have what it takes. You know, I have learned in my experience in ministry that what I think I need to get the job done and what God thinks I need to get the job done are often not the same thing. Because God can do a lot with a little. Start with what God has given you. Start there. And use, church, use what's in your hand. And say, God, this is all I have. And I give it to you. Please use it for your glory. The second reason, or the second way I believe that we can put our caring into action, is to start with one. Be a disciple maker. Church, if you want to know what the win is for our church, it's like, what is this church all about? We're all about glorifying Jesus Christ. But if you want to know, like, man, what is the, the peak for you guys? The mountaintop for us is to be disciples of Jesus Christ who make disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to be disciple makers. We want to go into this world and bring healing and wholeness and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. 
So be a disciple maker, and it starts with one. I heard a great quote that said, A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Start with one. Start by taking small actions. Make a difference in one person's life. Just start with one and see what happens. Number three, pray. P-R-A-Y, pray. As Christians, we know there is genuine power in prayer. And even though we know this fact, we often take it for granted. We often, we, we don't utilize prayer enough. I don't know why I'm using my mom as an example so much. Probably because she's out in California and I won't get in trouble. But <clears throat> my mom's out in California right now caring for her 98-year-old father. But that woman knows how to pray. And often she calls me and she just says, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Even though she's not here with us right now, she is fighting with us through prayer. I'm telling you, ministries, uh, nonprofit organizations, pastors, men and women of God have, that have made the greatest difference in this world, I believe have done so because there was prayer warriors behind them praying for their ministry, praying that God would speak through them, praying that God would bring healing. It's through the prayers of men and women. The scripture puts it this way. The, the prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman accomplishes so much. So much. There is power in prayer. And then lastly, I believe that we can put our caring into action if we love well. If we love well. Last week, Grace Church... <laughs> You had the opportunity to put your love into action. You had the opportunity to love well. We were asking you to, to give financially to help eight families in our congregation that were they're just struggling. Man, they got some, some burdens. They're carrying some loads. And we wanted, as a church, to come and just kind of lift the load off of them a little bit to bless them financially. And we took up a Love Does offering. And we were trusting and we were asking God to give us $12,000 to bless these eight families in our own congregation. And this morning, we wanted to reveal to you how much money came in that offering. And I have to just say, Grace Church, you are generous. Man, thank you for giving to this offering. And we wanted to reveal how much came in. But we wanted to do it the grace way, which means we're going to have a little fun with this, okay? We're going to have a little fun. And so I'm going to invite uh, Trisha, Becky, uh, <clears throat> couple uh, lovely assistants to come and help me. All right, you can give them a hand. You can give them a hand. Okay, here's, here's how it's going to work. Um, we have a helium tank right here, and we are going to fill up some balloons, and each balloon that we fill, fill up is representing $1,000 that came in. Okay, does that make sense? So one balloon equals $1,000, and uh, yes, you will... All right, looking good, looking good. So, let me just say, every dollar that came in is a huge blessing. And it's going to be a blessing to families in our church. And I'm most excited about giving this money to these families. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. And, and on that note, we're going to be giving this money to the families in the next couple weeks. So after each balloon that we fill up, here's the plan. We're going to fill up one balloon... And I'm going to read a psalm of praise from the scripture. And here was the thanking. 
and I'm trying to be just completely transparent with you, my prayer and hope is that we worship God and we celebrate the fact that God's people were so generous. And so we're going to fill up a balloon. We're going to read a psalm of praise. And um, towards the end, we're going to even have some music and we're going to have opportunity to worship the Lord. We want this to be a powerful worship experience because God has been so generous to us. He gave His only Son. And we are being generous to each other in faithfulness, in obedience to God's Word. And we should celebrate that. We should worship God because of that. So as we fill up a balloon, I'm going to read a psalm of praise. And I pray that it just blesses you. I pray that it encourages you and that we can celebrate together. That was Trisha's cue to stop talking. All right. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> hey, don't clap. Come on. Whose side you on? All right. So we had over $1,000 come in, and I'm going to read Psalm 86 and verse 12. And it says, With all my heart I will praise you, O Lord my God. I will give glory to your name forever. Psalm 86 and verse 12. <clears throat> I was thinking about sucking helium and preaching in that, but I didn't think that would be a good example for the little ones. So, all right. Go ahead and fill the second balloon. Psalm 111 and verses 1 through 4, it says, I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with His godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in Him should ponder them. Everything He does reveals His glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember His wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. We had over $2,000 come in for the Love Does Offering. Go ahead and fill the third one. She's fill, I'm always afraid one's going to pop me. Alright, here we go. Fill the third balloon, Trisha. You ready? Okay. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3, it says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure. You cannot measure His greatness. He is so great. He is so good. We had over $3,000 come in for the Love Does Offering. Fourth balloon. Psalm 145, verses 8-9. through The Lord is merciful and compassionate. Thank God He is slow to get angry and He is filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all His creation. We had over $4,000 come in last Sunday for the Love Does Offering. And the fifth balloon. Go ahead and fill that fifth one up. Psalm 145, verses 13 through 17. The Lord always keeps His promises. He is gracious in all He does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. That's, that's what we're doing this morning. is We're helping some that are just weighed down by the load that they're carrying. We're trying to love one another. We're trying to do what the Bible tells us to do. The eyes of all look on you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything He does. He is filled 
with kindness. We had over $5,000 come in last Sunday for the Love Does Offering. All right. I don't know about you. This is kind of fun. All right. I'm, I'm having a good time. Six balloon. All right. Psalm 148, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord! Exclamation point. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For He issued His command, and they came into being. Over $6,000 came in last Sunday. We love those offerings. Alright, seventh balloon. Psalm 9, verses 1 through 2. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 9, verses 1 through 2. Over $7,000 came in last Sunday for the Love Does Offer. Eighth balloon, all right? You keeping up, Chris? You doing all right? All right, all right. Eighth balloon. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, Your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. Over $8,000 came in last Sunday for the Love Does Offering. So crazy. So crazy. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Ninth balloon. Did you say hang on? Okay, alright. Alright. Tell Chris to hurry up. <laughs> That's fun. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I don't know about you, as I'm reading these, I'm just thinking about the families that they're going to be blessed by this. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. And those who don't follow the advice of the wicked, they don't stand with sinners, they don't join in with mockers and they meditate on God's law they prosper in all that they do Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 we had over $9,000 come in last Sunday for the love that is offering okay this is starting to get a little crazy here alright 10th balloon Psalm 29 verses 1 through 2 honor the Lord you heavenly beings, honor the Lord for His glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. We had over $10,000 come in last Sunday to bless families in our church. Alright, 11th balloon. This is crazy. Psalm 30 verses 1-4. through 4. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me 
You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name. We had over $11,000 come in last Sunday. Church, our goal was to see God blessed with $12,000. And we're going to fill up the 12th balloon right now. Alright? Psalm 135, verses 1 through 3, it says, Praise the Lord! Exclamation point. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, you who serve the Lord. You who serve in the house of the Lord. You who clean the toilets in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the, the house of our God. Praise the Lord, everyone, for the Lord is good. Celebrate His lovely name with music. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Worship a celebration for our God and
says this. says, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. I might dance here just a little bit. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging Everything breathes that's you. Sing praises to the Lord. $13,500 came in last Sunday. Thank you, church. Let's sing and worship the God this morning. 